Jenny and I conclude our conversation on G.K. Chesterton's Everlasting Man, Chapter 3. Okay, now... (laughs) Let's get okay. back. Let's get back to Chesterton. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. So at this point, Chesterton takes on the Egyptians and the Babylonians, and he says this. And if people must write romances about ancient Egypt, and it seems that neither prayers nor tears nor curses can withhold them from that habit, I suggest that scenes like this would really remind us of that the ancient Egyptians were. Da, 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 human beings. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> for, Just whatever, like us. for whatever was the quality of the religious or moral life of remote times, and it was probably much more human than is conventionally supposed, the scientific interest of such a time must have been intense. So, what do you say about that? I like Chesterton when he says the story of Egypt. And of course, Mm -hmm. he's talking here about- He starts out with Egypt. Egypt Yeah. And Babylon, right? Mm -hmm. So he says, the story of Egypt might have been invented to point the moral that man does not necessarily begin with despotism because he is Mm -hmm. barbarous. Right. But very often finds his way to despotism because- he is civilized. That's right. Yeah, he goes on to show through Egypt how civilizations always begin opposite of what we've been told about the caveman. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> it's he says it is not necessarily an indefensible thing that the state grew more despotic as it grew more civilized. Right. And you can cut in at any time. Yep. It is arguable that it had to grow more despotic in order to grow more civilized. Right. That there's a there's a natural logic right, there for it for sure. That is the argument for autocracy in every age, and the interest lies in seeing it illustrated in the earliest age. But it's emphatically not true that it was most despotic in the earliest age and grew more liberal in a later age. The practical process of history is exactly the reverse. Yes, it is not true that the tribe began in an extreme of terror of the old man. And that again is H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells. Yeah, yep. H.G. Wells' term. Right. You know, he's quoting. And his seat and spear. It is probable, at least in Egypt, that the old man was rather a new man, armed to attack new conditions. Right. His spear grew longer and longer, and his throne rose higher and higher as Egypt rose into a complex and complete civilization. Yes. Complex for sure. Yep. <laughs> And the more complex, Mm -hmm. the more developed it became, the more despotic it became. As we see our government becoming now. Right. What we do know is that it was by experience and education that little commonwealths lose their liberty. Mm -hmm. That absolute sovereignty is something not merely ancient, but rather relatively modern. And it is at the end of the path called progress that men return to the king. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think we're heading for now. Right. Huh? This is something that actually, interesting enough, Milton mm-hmm. deeply opposed. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And as we studied Milton right. in the progress of writing our book, mm-hmm. Milton was opposed to any notion of human beings being able to lord it over other human beings. Mm -hmm. He was opposed to the monarchy. He liked the idea of Republican democracy. He didn't believe in bowing down to the king. Yeah, he did not buy the notion that human beings should be able to be tyrants over others. Okay, 
Right. And right, I think right. in its own way, and Chesterton actually gets to this later in this mm-hmm. chapter too, about uh, the notion of slavery. Right. And, he does talk about that. That Christianity really was the only moment that could overthrow right. the notion of slavery. Right. Because it was really incumbent. There's no reason in to overthrow basic, slavery. No, there's no reason no. to overthrow it. Without when you Christianity. View, exactly. Right. When you view the world as the state is the most important thing, mm-hmm. and the individual must be subjugated to it. Right. It was Christianity that turned that, that inverted right. that, and right. made the individual the most important thing. Right. And when you say, in the beginning, God created man, makes man elevated. It elevates man, yeah. In his image, he created them. While the other side, it makes man just different types of man can be eliminated or can be subjected to slavery. Right. Right. Because they're lesser. Yeah. And this is the utilitarian. And and God says all men are created equal. Yes. Yes. And each has his own peculiar dignity as created in the image and likeness of God. Right. And his skin color is a beautiful display of God's Variety. Right. Of the true diversity Mm -hmm. of God. Right. And each and every individual human being, regardless of the externals, Mm -hmm. is created in the image and likeness of God. Right. And that is the beauty of the Christian message. And it is in direct contrast to the pagan world Mm -hmm. which it followed. Right, right, right. And in that pagan world, the highest ethical notion was that the individual was subject to the state. To the state, right. And that's the utilitarian mm-hmm. ethics that I find myself and being else, so deeply opposed to. Yeah, what else could you have if you don't have No, it's God. completely rational. There's nothing else. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the idea that the individual must be sacrificed to the greater good mm-hmm. of the community is the most rational view. Right. Which is what you see in nature all of the time. Yeah. You know, in the animal world, survival of the fittest or, Mm -hmm. you know, sacrificing the weak for the strong, but we are called out of that and we are not that. It is a higher vision. Right. And so, okay. So anyway, so now Chesterton goes on to use Babylon as an example of the notion of barbarism to civilization. After discussing Babylon's beginnings from what we know, Chesterton goes on to discuss the beginnings of Babylon. He makes this point. Now, it is worthwhile to pause upon that story because, as has been suggested, it directly contradicts the impression still current that nomadism is merely a prehistoric thing and social settlement is comparatively recent thing. There is nothing to show that the Babylonians had ever wandered. There is very little to show that the tribes of the desert ever settled down. Indeed, it is probable that this notion of a nomadic stage followed by a static stage has already been abandoned by the sincere and genuine scholars to whose researches we all owe so much. But I am not at issue in this book with sincere and genuine scholars but with a vast and vague public opinion which has been prematurely spread from certain imperfect investigations and which has made fashionable a false notion of the whole history of humanity. He goes on 
Yeah. It is the whole vague notion that a monkey evolved into a man. And in the same way, a barbarian evolved into a civilized man. And therefore, at every stage, we have to look back to barbarism and forward to civilization.、Mm. This is the myth of evolution that C.S. Lewis talks about in his、mm -hmm. article that we discussed earlier this year. The idea that everything is moving forward,、and、that we start、better. in a primitive state and move ever upward. This is the assumption. And it is an assumption. It is a faith that you adopt.、Mm -hmm. And Chesterton says this immediately following what we just read it is an atmosphere in which men live rather than a thesis which they defend. Right, right. That is, this is not an argument,、mm -hmm. it is a faith position. Right. On which we stand. Which is what you've been trying to、yes. say. That it, it's a faith. Right. Yeah. And、position. they assume this is the right、mm -hmm. way, and then they reason from that position. Right. But they don't even try to defend the position. Right. It simply is where they stand. Well, it says it's self evident for right, them. Right. He says. Scientific speculations of today do indeed spread out a map of the whole primitive world with streams of racial immigration or admixture marked in dotted lines everywhere over spaces which the unscientific medieval mapmaker would have been content to call terra incognita if he did not fill with inviting blank with a picture of a dragon to indicate the probable reception given to pilgrims. But these speculations are Only speculations at the best, and at the worst, the dotted lines can be far more fabulous than the dragon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They create a far more fabulous dotted、yeah. line than the dragon. <laughs> so we create these stories、mm -hmm. that are really and truly myths because、right. there's not anything that definitively establishes them as true. Right. However, logically, they may be connected to the facts. And there's、they、nothing. They are still imaginative and, constructions. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. As long as you admit that it's that it that. is that. Right. And But, this is something we've tried over and、right. over and over again to get across、mm -hmm. to the people that we're talking to and to atheists. Right. It's okay that you want to believe that.、Mm -hmm. But why not then face that you are believing right. that? That's it. And and that you don't know, right? For that you、sure. don't know it, right? And that is where we go constantly wrong.、Right. So I'm going to just back it up just a bit,、oh, okay, go ahead, and say this from what Chesterton said: Babylon also we first hear of when it is already civilized. Yeah, right. So civilization always presents to us as the nature of human beings in history. For the simple reason that we cannot hear of anything until it is educated enough to talk.、Mm -hmm. So Babylon, because it has given us a history, was educated enough to give us that history,、mm -hmm. and therefore we have that history. Yeah. What came before it, we don't know. We can speculate about. We can think we have sewn up, but that's probably foolish. We can tell ourselves stories about it. Mm -hmm. And then he says, "This, this is what we do know. In fact, 
Babylon was a civilization of diagrams rather than yeah. of drawings. Yeah, yeah. Theirs like was a static but a scientific civilization, right. much like ours today. Right. Far advanced in the machinery of life and in some ways highly modern. Mm -hmm. That is, in the book of Revelation, it talks about Babylon the Great, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think in many ways we are Babylon the Great. Yeah. We have risen again. We are pursuing the same path. Right. It is said that they had much of the modern cult, this is interesting, yeah. of the higher spinsterhood and recognized an official class of independent working women. Right. So feminism was alive and well in, in Babylon. Right, exactly. But though it was huge, it was human, he says. We see many of the same social problems as in ancient Egypt or modern England. It had, by tradition, a high intellectual life, again, like today, right. though rather philosophic than artistic, which is also true of our culture today. And there preside over its primal foundation those figures who have come to stand for the stargazing wisdom of antiquity. And it's from the East like that, that we have the figures of the three kings mm -hmm. arriving yeah, at yeah. the birth of Jesus. That's right. And I'm not sure exactly where else I wanted to go with that. But the idea that Babylon is in many ways a symbol of our civilization tells us mm -hmm. that we are not so advanced from what humanity was thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. We're in exactly the same state. Yeah. yeah. Chesterton says the solar system is a deduction and doubtless a true deduction. But the point is that it is a very vast and far-reaching deduction, and therefore he forgets that it is a deduction at all and treats it as a first principle. He might discover that the whole calculation is a miscalculation, and the sun and stars and street lamps would look exactly the same, but he has forgotten that it is a calculation and is almost ready to contradict the sun if it does not fit into the solar system, yes. that made me think of you Again. with your Mount Ebal series. Yep. <laughs> and that actually picks up on mm -hmm. the last point that yep. I care to make That's why in I this said chapter. That. Yeah. Chesterton says this, and, and this is actually picking up on something you've already said. So we're uh -huh. going to cover some of the same ground, but I think it's important. I am not at issue in this book with sincere and genuine scholars. Right, The progress of science, the actual investigation, the desire to find the truth about history and all these other things is something that is completely consistent with the Christian view of the world. But he says, I am at issue with a vast and vague public opinion, which has been prematurely spread mm -hmm. from certain imperfect investigations and which has made fashionable a false notion of the whole history of humanity. Mm -hmm. And this yep, yep. is that idea that constantly academia brings us into these faddish notions yeah. of the world, which is what the woke thing is today in today's world. Yep. It's a fad. Mm -hmm. It can't stand. 
Right. It cannot stand. Eventually, when it achieves the desire that the Marxists want right. to overturn this world, you can bet the first people who will turn on the woke view is the Marxists who are now in power. Right. They will destroy all of those people right. because it's a ridiculous position. Right. Men are men. Women are women. It's a simple fact of reality. Right, right. And no one will stand and for that once right. we have abandoned this notion of free imaginary notions of the world. Right. They will right. destroy it as the Soviets did when they took over the Soviet Union. Right. Exactly. It's it is the whole vague notion that a monkey evolved into a man, and in the same way a barbarian evolved into a civilized man. And therefore, at every stage, we have to look back to barbarism and forward to civilization. I think we've covered this before, mm -hmm. but it is an atmosphere in which men live right. rather right. than a thesis which they defend. Right. And I think that's where we are. We are living in an atmosphere today that is not in any way anchored in rationalism yeah. or empirical investigation. Exactly. It is, We've left it is an atmosphere of imagination mm -hmm. and desire. Yeah. More, and, I think, more desire than anything because yep. imagination is needed in science mm -hmm. because to go forward, you need to imagine, but it's our own desires that we, that we are getting caught up on. Yeah. It fundamentally boils down to the transposition of ourselves mm -hmm. and God. Yeah. Right. We, as Milton says in Paradise Lost, we affect Godhead. Mm -hmm. That is, we claim the power rather than recognizing that there's something greater and bigger than ourselves to which we must submit. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's where it comes down to the point where and we it, talked about this week, where I have sinned. I need to turn away from my sin. That's the narrow way. Right. Jesus says the way is narrow. And that leads to life, and the other way leads to death, mm -hmm. and it's broad. And who wants to admit that they're wrong? <laughs> That's the hard way. And I mean, it's it's so hard that it's like, as you said, as we yeah. talked about this day, th this is the Nicodemus passage. Yeah. Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can I be born again? Yeah. How can I, as a man, come out, go, of come out again of my mother's birth canal right which is the narrow path how is that possible right and how can a camel go through the eye of a needle right exactly it exactly is right. seemingly impossible mm -hmm. because it is impossible mm -hmm. unless god be the author of it right exactly okay so chesterton said and what misleads them once more is the size of the theory the sense that the fancy is bigger than the fact and then he goes on to say, but this habit of rapid hardening of a hypothesis into a theory and of a theory into an assumption has hardly yet gone out of fashion. Mm. That's what you were saying before that it becomes trendy. Yep. People cannot easily- and they assume it to be the truth. Right. People, here it is. People cannot easily get rid of the mental confusion of feeling that the foundations of history must surely be secure, mm -hmm. that the first steps must be safe that the biggest generalization must be obvious. But though the contradiction may seem to them a paradox, this is the very contrary of the truth. It is the large thing that is secret and invisible 
It is the small thing that is evident and enormous. Yes. Yeah. We've got to face the fact that Mm -hmm. we human beings are extremely limited creatures. And I feel like I'm, you know, playing the record over and over again. Yeah, we keep saying it over and over. The things that we find in our reality, Mm -hmm. the evident are the few things that we can hold on to and say, okay, this is true. Mm -hmm. And the broad things that are beyond that, the things that are pointed to by that, the things that we assume, the things that we ground our reality with in the broader structures of rationality are the things that we are going to have to hold on to by faith because they're not certain. Mm -hmm. They're outside of our grasp. Because as limited creatures, we can only grasp the very limited things that we can see and hold on to around us. The bigger things are things that are outside our immediate grasp. Well, here, here's Chesterton comes to this conclusion, but I can use my own common sense And I sometimes fancy that theirs is a little rusty from one of use. (laughs) (laughs) The first act of common sense is to recognize the difference between a cloud and a mountain. And I will affirm- Or between a man and a woman. Yeah. (laughs) And I will affirm that nobody knows any of these things in the sense that we all know the existence of the pyramids of Egypt. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I guess that's all we have for this week. That was a good chapter, John. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more in Chesterton, but I think yeah, both is. in you, both you and I, got to this point in the chapter mm-hmm. and read the rest and said, "Who? Yeah, I think Chesterton has sort of ascended into the clouds, yeah. and I can't quite follow him there yet." I think it's because the point we are in our life right now at yeah. this moment. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and we can't go any deeper. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so don't forget if you like to read or listen to Chesterton's The Everlasting Man, the links will be in the description. John, you actually read it without commentary on our Simple Gifts podcast, which yep. seems which, to be very popular with people. Yeah, it seems to be a popular series. Um, you can hear it on YouTube and on the podcast apps. But if you're listening on YouTube, please consider subscribing. We would really appreciate that. And the other thing. We is... are only six subscribers away from a thousand on YouTube. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of like a milestone, right? Yeah, it really is. Okay. So if you're interested in knowing more about the Christian atheists, be sure to check out the link to John's book in the description. The book is called Through the Looking Glass, The Imploding of an Atheist Professor's Worldview. But also, we now have a second book, and that is Paradise Lost, Mm -hmm. The Machinery of Evil. Right. And that goes along with your Paradise Lost series. Right. Right. Very proud of it, I think, actually. I think it has a lot of important information and study for people to to look at. I was going to say, if you're a pastor in a church or a a leader, a church leader, you might want to get this book and use it as a Bible study. Yep. I think it would be good Mm -hmm. for that. It really would. It helps you to see. It certainly has enhanced our understanding of God and his structures and the scriptures to have studied Paradise Lost, Mm -hmm. compared it together with the Bible narrative. Mm -hmm. And as I said in our letter that we're sending out about this, Mm -hmm. Charles Haddon Spurgeon Mm -hmm. said of the great 
author of Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan. That, right, that mm. John Bunyan, when he was pricked, he would mm. bleed scripture. Right. But that is no less true of John Milton and Paradise Lost. Mm -hmm. And yet, we as Christians know very little of this great classic right. of Western literature. And I think it is worth spending the time yeah. reading it. Not because Milton is inspired, but because Milton actually took the inspired word of God right. and made it into something amazing and powerful and communicated it in a new way that enhances our understanding right. of the word of God. I think Milton is harder to read than Bunyan. I That's think for sure. Probably that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. So if you're interested in reading John's books, be sure to check out the link in the description. And as always, if you have the means, buy us a cup of coffee. There's a link to that in the description. And we thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us. We appreciate it. We appreciate you. And we hope you have a great rest of your week. And we'll talk and we'll be praying for you. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Yes. I love you, my dear. I love you, Johnny. John D. <laughs> I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.